Welcome to Tipping Points, the podcast that reveals moments in people's lives that change everything. My name is Luke Edelston, and each week I interview fascinating people with extraordinary stories to find their tipping points. Hey, welcome to part two of this conversation with Craig Savage. If you haven't listened to part one, I recommend going to listen to it. Very interesting. We talk about things like systems engineering and bionic eyes and how the visual system works, perception and other really fascinating topics. So this is part two where we delve into some deeper things about depression and infertility. And obviously you'll find out more about that as we go along. So I do hope you listen to part one and really enjoy both parts so here is part two maybe we can uh, shift gears slightly as well so maybe um fast forwarding towards the era of frisbee which if people have listened to episode eight with marioche we've already learned quite a bit about the world of frisbee and saturday and um, talking of discs and flying things but um but on earth and rather than space um which is in space but anyway um yeah, how did you end up getting involved in, in and I know there's a whole story around this, but um, how did you end up getting involved in what is now known, I was about to say colloquially, but it's not true, it's just known <laughs> as Saturday Frisbee. Um, yeah, tell us how you led into that. So it's it's sort of, there's a bit of a jump. When I was a PhD student, I played on Wednesday nights at Albert Park, which was the social league, and I became coordinator of that. And it was like people would say it was ultimate, but actually it was a bunch of people who wanted something to do and then go to the pub. Yeah. So there was this, this group of us who would play Frisbee on Wednesday night and then go to the pub. And we started building up and it went from being 20 people to 30 people to 50 people to, I think we ended up with a hundred people when the, the weather was nice. And there was a core of about 10 to 15 of us that were there on a regular basis. And after the games, we went to the pub and we tried to drum up as much support as we could to go with us to the pub. And that was 2006, 2007, when I was getting my PhD. And I, when I was with Bionic Vision Australia, so this would have been 2010, I was walking to work one day thinking about how great my life was because I had this this fantastic job at the university. I was teaching a class. I finally reached my dream to become a college professor. And I was dating this great woman and things were going really well. I was walking to work and I realized I was miserable. And it's one of those moments when you're watching a movie when, when it goes silent and everything goes into slow motion. And it was, it was the calmly darkest point in my life because it's like when you break up with someone and I eventually broke up with her cause I was miserable with her, which was completely unfair to her, but there we are. I, in other times in my life, when I was depressed or something, I could, I could point at something and say, well, I just got dumped. I'm hurting. Everything's bad. But at this moment, everything was good and it wasn't enough. And so I had, I had to end it. But this, this was life we were talking about. 
And some people talk about bucket lists like, hey, I want to do the following things before I die. And I thought, no, I'm going to do the following things, and, and then I'm out. And that, that'll be it. And it, was, it wasn't painful. It was calm. It was the logical thing to do. And it didn't... I actually felt relieved in a strange way. And I've been told that if someone's depressed or suicidal and suddenly one day everything's fine, that's a warning sign. And it, it happened there for me. And I was looking at all the things I had done before and saying, well, I had that big thing on Wednesday nights. Maybe I'll go do that. Because all of this isn't, isn't enough. So I went to Wednesday and met a couple people and they said, hey, we do this thing on Saturday. You should come. So I did, and I think... So I show up, and we play a game, and I think I threw the disc 20 meters to someone accurately. And people were like, how in the world did you do that? <laughs> and so I started, you know, someone would ask me, and I'd show them, and then everyone started asking me, so I started to show everyone. And then we were advertising it, and I was teaching 10, 20 people at a time. And I had gone from teaching this university graduate course, which was what I had always wanted to do. And I was finding so much more joy teaching people to throw straight on a Saturday morning for no reason. And things flipped for me. From, okay, that's it, I'm done, to, oh, oh, this is my calling. It's not actually teaching the highest people. It's not the prestige. It's helping these, these people who are coming from nothing and giving them the foundation. And whether it's to throw a frisbee in a straight line more than five meters, or when I was teaching at the community college, how to solve 2x plus 3 equals 7, solve for x. And that was what I, that was what got me. I didn't, didn't care about the prestige. I didn't care about the money. I just wanted to get people started, give them a leg up. And then was Saturday. And I did that for a number of years. And I've spoken about my wife. While I didn't meet her through Saturday, I was in such a better place from wow, this is it, I'm, I don't want to live anymore, to I've found something, I've found a reason to keep going, and I've found what, what actually I wanted to do, not what I thought I wanted to do, but what I wanted to do. And there's a, a quote by, by Jim Carrey that I looked up pr prior to this, <laughs> where he says, I think everybody should get rich and famous and do everything they ever dreamed of so they can see that it's not the answer. Because I had this perfect life. I was bringing sight to the blind, literally. I was a university professor. I was dating an amazing woman. It just wasn't, wasn't right. Mm. It wasn't it for me at all. Yeah. It's, uh, it's a difficult story to hear in some ways. I mean, obviously, it's got a bit of a silver lining, um, obviously, with how it turned out for a while as well. Um, there's that calm darkness you mentioned um mm. that that's interesting and 
because I don't know that I've felt that way because I've struggled with depression myself. And I'm just wondering what I, I can sense the, the feeling of it. Um, but when you were also saying there's these things I'm going to do, I'm not exactly sure how you worded it. Oh, I'm going to do the following, then I'm out kind of thing. Yeah. Was it like you were thinking I'm going to do a few things or visit a couple of things and then kill yourself? Or was it, well, what was that like? I, I don't really understand what that's like. Yeah, it was. I went to like, who do I want to see before I go? Who do I want? Who do I want to know that I love them and that? Like, this isn't about them. Who, you know, I want to see... I want to see Yellowstone. I want to see... I want to hike the Grand Canyon. And there's a weird comfort to... I don't need a retirement fund. I don't need to worry about whether or not smoking cigars is going to kill me in 20 years. None of that matters. Mm. And it's strangely intoxicating to say I'm going to do the things I want to do and and then kill myself yeah it I can it sounds a bit like when people found out that they've only got a certain amount of time to live and then mm. they just erase all that other superfluous stuff that doesn't really matter to them and then they go okay with this last however long these are the things I'm going to do and these are meaningful things that, you know, have been putting off or whatever. And then they go through all of that and uh, they sort of have that peace, I suppose, because they've had that chance to do it. But in this case, it's it's a choice you've made because you realise that you're really unhappy. Yeah, and there was nowhere in my mind, there was nowhere to go, right? Other times, like as a teenager... My girlfriend dumped me, and oh my god, this is the end of the world. I, I want to kill myself. And, and it was a, from a point of pain and a point of, I don't know, just not seeing the future. But in that in that moment of my, my calm darkness, is I saw the future, and there was a large part of me that said, Craig, you've got it really good. Get over yourself, princess. Like, this is life. Get on with it. But I think there's something in some people that says, no, I reject this that there's something broken about their survival instinct that you can override, or some people can override. I feel kind of bad talking about this because I don't want to give people ideas because no. looking back on it, it's it's an odd strength. It's not, you know, what kills you makes you stronger because I'd rather have not gone through this, right? Don't, this isn't, this isn't a positive thing. But now whenever I have a problem, if it doesn't make me suicidal, I shrug. Mm. And some people say that, you know, nothing impacts me. It's like, no, things impact me very greatly, but it doesn't make me suicidal. It may seem like a low bar, but when you've been below that bar, suddenly the bar seems more relevant. Yeah. So I want to focus on how you moved from that really dark calmness to then actually taking action in, in a way that seems quite positive and proactive because I think for a lot of people who are in that situation where they feel really shit, the hardest thing is to go and see people and reach out and hang out with people because they just are miserable. And it's it's not a natural thing for them to do. And talking from experience here, myself. Um, 
was it a big mental effort to do it or was it something that you'd you already had um a weekly kind of thing where you went there anyway and therefore you went and just mentioned something and something changed like what, what was how did that look no it's something i learned from my my mba is there's a theory that says when things go bad that's when it's time to double down and really push yourself now that was in a business context and it's something something that i'm revisiting with covid and lockdown that it's a lot of people are saying, well, it's lockdown, so I'm going to go through all this professional development. I'm going to learn another language. I'm going to exercise daily. Well, when the mental health is down and you can't do it and you find that you've made yourself a list and you don't hit your list and so now you feel worse, well, the reason why you're making a list to do things is to feel better. If you're feeling worse, it's not working. Stop. And that's another one of these, what you think might be good for you there's always the chance that you're wrong because being a university professor, I thought was everything I ever wanted. As I said before, I hated it. Absolutely hated it. And there was a lot of time for me thinking about, well, hang on. I really liked teaching at the community college. Why, why is it that I'm hating teaching this graduate course at one of the top 50 universities in the world? What, what is going on here? Why am I hating this? What got me then to Frisbee was realizing that there was a problem, realizing that Frisbee was something I quite enjoyed, and to have kind of a last hurrah of once upon a time, there were a hundred people, and we were all kind of happy together. Let's see if I can do that. Let's see if I can, can feel joy from the inside, not because I think I should, because of my job, because of my research, because of helping blind people see, which (laughs) sounds kind of funny that I can say that wasn't bringing me joy, but it wasn't. Hmm. Did you have a gap then? Were you not currently going to Frisbee and then you started again? Yeah, I wasn't going to Frisbee. Right. Okay. When I came back, when I came back to, for my bionic eye, I was because I was supposed to come with my girlfriend at the time, I was really resetting my life and I didn't. I I was building this perfect life without her. And that didn't include Frisbee for some reason. I don't know why I didn't go to Frisbee when I got back, but I didn't. I don't know if it wasn't the season or it was too far away and there was no easy Mm. way to get there, but I had my reasons and they were terrible, whatever they were. (laughs) But there they were. Like you said, it's, it's not always uh, you're not always the best person at knowing what's good for yourself, whether mm. it's mentally, physically, whatever. So yeah, I can understand that, and I'm I'm wondering as well if part of the reason why you found that teaching people in a community college or teaching people yeah. beginners, absolute beginners in frisbee, um, felt or was more impact to me. Maybe there was a more initial and obvious feedback loop of positivity, if you know what I mean. So if you're teaching someone how to throw a Frisbee and they get a little bit better, you can see it immediately. It's a bit like yeah. when a physio goes in and you know tweaks some stuff and then you're like, oh, I feel way better, amazing. Uh, and they you know, they're meant to have like the best job satisfaction because I, I guess it's because they can see immediate impact from what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and apparently priests are pretty high up as well. So maybe it's because they're nice to people and people go, oh, yeah, yeah. But anyway, um, 
do you think it's something along those lines? Like, you, you know, there's so many jobs which are really far back from the impact they have. Like, for me, I'm working in design and railways and things. And if unless I go and go on the train line, like I'm not going to see the impact. And often I don't go on those train lines. I don't go to those train stations. So it's, it's like a big paper exercise. You draw a picture and you go, oh, I imagine it's a bit like this. And then, you know, some people build it. You never see it. It's like you have to somehow remind yourself in a different way there's an impact. Um, but do you think there's an element of that to the things you've done and the things that you found more rewarding or invigorating? Oh, certainly. certainly, even with uh, when I was working at Raytheon, doing all the research is one thing, but actually going to a test flight and seeing things work was so much more rewarding. And at the graduate level, the students can do it themselves. You're really only there in case they have a question. You're not really lecturing because by the time you're a PhD student, you know how to read textbooks and teach yourself. That's kind of the big jump to, to go from a, a master's to a PhD, in my opinion, is a master's degree, as at least a master's by coursework. You're still getting taught and you're you're learning. But by the time you get to a PhD, the, the graduation standard is you've done some original research for yourself. And no one can really tell you what to do in that direction because when you graduate, you are the expert in this tiny little niche field. So teaching graduate students, you're not really teaching graduate students. There's still lectures and classes because that's that's the pattern that gets set up. But at the end of the day, if, when you give them the textbook and say, do these 10 things at, at the back, they'll figure it out themselves. Mm. When you're teaching someone to throw a Frisbee, it would be more like me saying, okay, here's a YouTube video on how to throw a Frisbee. If you have any questions, call me. I'll be sitting over here. But otherwise, go sit over there and watch it on your phone. It's just a lot less rewarding than... Let me see how you're holding it. Let me see Let me see what you're doing. Let, let's watch the way your arm moves. There's a lot more, there's a lot more variation in, in how I throw and you throw and someone else throws. Even if there is a theoretical correct way to throw a Frisbee, everyone throws differently until you get up to the highest, highest level where small imperfections start to matter. But there's a, a certain amount of style or the way your wrist moves relative to mine. Again, as a bio biological system, there's not that absolute continuity. We will mm -hmm. have slightly different muscle defini definitions, slightly different strength, slightly different range of motion in our wrist and fingers, different sizes, right? Yeah. My hands versus a, a shorter woman's hands are going to be differently sized, and so we will throw a disc differently. It's not just theoretically, this is the optimal way to throw, go for it, because there's too much variation from person to person. So you have to assess what's going on with this person, with not people in general, but with this person. What are they doing? What's going wrong for them? How do you help them on an individual level? Which is so much better than standing up in front of a room of 20 people who don't want to be there, because they can do it all themselves. And they're as smart as you, if not smarter, and as good as this topic of you, if not better. And mm. for some reason, you're in charge. <laughs> yeah. 
I know what you mean. Um, I've done bits of teaching and training as part of my career, and it's better when there is the. It feels more rewarding when there's the one-to-one aspect of it, or you can see individuals grow in some way as well. And that's actually what I find challenging. And this is a strange thing. It's very messy to say this whilst I'm recording a podcast. Well, that's what I find difficult about doing podcasts. Actually, is I don't see the. Um, I don't have much of a feedback loop. Um, you know, some people will talk to me about episodes, you know, friends and people that listen to it. You know, you sometimes get the odd message, which is really nice. And actually, the fact that you and Mariosha both reached out on your own was really great. Um, really appreciate that. Um, but in general, it's, there's a lot of gap between doing it and getting feedback or, or something like that. And it's not immediate or that tangible. Um, so that's why... I like it and I'll do the conversations that I think are going to be really valuable. This is why we're talking about depression now and things because I think I want to give that impact to people. But at the same time, I also want to do things that are immediately beneficial and you can see the impact of that. And as we're now transitioning, well, at least in the UK, you know, out of being stuck at home, you know, I started doing some volunteering um, for a charity. I'm not going to name just in case people <laughs> message in. Um, but, um, they're talking to young people about any sort of issue and they message in and it's a, it's a sort of a chat thing, you know, like an online chat thing. And you just go, you listen to them and you give them emotional support and then you can sign posts to places that are appropriate if they want that. And so it's kind of empowering them a little bit to, you ask some questions that sort of, make them look at things maybe in a slightly different way but you're also not giving them any judgments and things like that and so this is uh, part of the reason i did it was it's kind of like a uh, weekly practice in being non-judgmental and keeping myself out of things and also obviously to help because i've been in i've been young i've been down and i didn't know what to do didn't know where to look and that's also part of the reason why i wanted to do this as well and so i wanted to give people a few tips on this as well and obviously one that you've kind of inferred which is you know if you're down get out and do something um something you like with people you like i mean that's quite often quite a good thing to do um and i I know that can be really difficult but um your friends would prefer you did that let's put it that way for sure um there's something i've written down here and i'm very interested for your tips as well if you've got any i've also got some things that you've sent across too so things about questions so if you're asking yourself, why am I so unpopular? Your brain will find reasons why you're so unpopular. But if you say, why am I popular? Then you, you'll find reasons that you are popular, you know, or why am I handsome or why am I, you know, whatever the thing is, it, it, it might feel um, trite and stupid to do it initially, but it, it, it can be really useful. Um, so your questions that you ask yourself can be really impactful and the tone that you do that with. So I th- think that's quite a good one. And Again, what you've talked about hints at it to some extent as well, which is, I think, that motivation. People think that motivation comes from thinking about doing stuff or, you know, you've got to have motivation to do something and that's not really how it works in general. I think the motivation comes from doing it. So you you start doing something and you get more motivated, actually. So imagine you start cleaning your room or something. You start cleaning and then you go, Oh, I can see that needs cleaning. And I need that. And then you sort of get into it and you listen to some music, you sing along, you're having a great time. So I would say motivation comes from doing things. So don't think you need to have motivation to do something. Just start doing it. It's, it's, I suppose it's trying to reduce that gap between 
thinking and doing and i think in general in life if you can do that as long as you're not just swearing at people and, and things you know then i think that's a good thing and then the last thing i'm going to mention here is about journaling and gratitude so our natural propensity as humans is to be looking for negative we've got a negative negativity bias that's kept us alive you know you're looking around you're trying to see differences in the environment that are threatening or whether you fit into a, a tribe or a group that was life threatening in the past it's not anymore so to combat that it can be useful to build in a sort of gratitude journal or something like that where you write down things that you're grateful for write it in the present tense and also write down the emotions so uh i'm so grateful that i'm having this conversation with with craig because uh, it was really nice for him to to actually reach out and have com common conversation about something that's impactful and useful that is like an example of something you might write down and and equally you know people got worries and things and if you don't sleep well you're not rested then that is a big factor in your mood so something that's useful is you can write down just a little you know have a notepad next to your, your bed just before you go to bed write down the things that are on your mind and what it does, it actually depersonalizes the thing that you're writing about. Uh, writing it down um, actually turns it from a first-person thing into a third-person thing. So that's part of the reason why it works. But also, it's a list. You know, if, if you've got loads of things, oh, I need to, you know, I need to buy the shopping tomorrow. I need to do work. I need to do this. If you've got it all in your head, then obviously your brain's still spinning around with all that stuff. It doesn't rest. So having that, putting it out on a list somewhere, or just writing down how you're feeling, can be quite useful. So that's the end of my spiel there. Um, are there any other things you'd add to that, Craig? Yeah, the other, a couple things quickly. The first is be careful for spirals or cycles that, you know, I'm not happy now, so I'll never be happy. And then I'll have years and years and years of going nowhere. And if I'm going nowhere, then I'll continue to feel unfulfilled and then I'll be down and then no one will like me because I'm down and no one, because no one likes me then, 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 then. Well, you haven't even gotten past your first thought. So if you find yourself running away with, with thoughts that you're 10 steps ahead, try to stop yourself. Mm. Don't, don't start chaining things together needlessly when you're still on step one. The other thing is don't be afraid to get it wrong. I was wrong with what I wanted to do with my life. Don't be afraid to, to say, actually, this isn't what I want to do with my life, and I can learn from it. Not, oh no, I've wasted my last however many years because it took you that many years to figure out you got it wrong. On Saturday, we have a rule that if, you, if a beginner drops the disc, then you call Saturday and they pick it up again. And even if they did something wrong, you use Saturday and just... just yeah, you did it wrong, but don't don't worry about it. Keep keep going. And I call Saturday sometimes in life when you know I'm, I'm writing and I get a variable wrong or I drop a minus sign. It's like oh, Saturday. Let's just fix this. Okay, keep going. Yeah. Um, there, there also comes a point on Saturday though when you don't get Saturdays anymore. If I drop the disc, being one of the organizers, and I call Saturday, everyone kind of laughs because <laughs> I shouldn't shouldn't take a Saturday. But sometimes I still do, and it's kind of funny. And it's that, yeah, I make mistakes too, but I should have to live with it, but this time I'm not going to. Yeah. Be kind to yourself. 
spent all this time in my life being altruistic to help other people, and I, I never really learned to be kind to myself because I was supposed to be smart and I was supposed to understand all these things, and if I got it wrong, rah, how dare I? How could I have done this? But no, just be kind. Yeah. Definitely agree Make with mistakes. that. It's fine. Keep going. Yeah. And I'd add to that as well with making mistakes, being kind to yourself. Ask for help. I didn't yeah. write that one down. It's pretty obvious, but it was something I was terrible at for years. Because again, it's like you you want other people to think that you know what you're doing. So you don't want to ask just because then it will make you look stupid. But people like being asked. People like to help. I mean, it's not just Craig that likes to help. It's, it's everybody, you know. Not all the time and not every situation, but people, if they've got some sort of expertise in something or they can just help you in a small way, they will. And they will like doing it. Because it's this whole thing that we're talking about in general, you know, is that immediate helping and impact. People love to have that. They love to see that. They love to feel that. So do ask for help. Um, mm. It doesn't make you stupid. doesn't make you weak. I think it's smart to ask for help. And no one can do anything on their own. It's uh, not not possible. There's nothing that anybody can do in the world uh, on their own. Everything is a result of multiple people. I mean, even something as simple as having a coffee. You know, someone grew the coffee. The, the energy came from the sun. It grew people have had to dry it grind it whatever all these things before you've even started the coffee making process even you thinking you're making a coffee on your own is not you making a coffee on your own um so you're not on your own and ask for help that was what i'd say there and i liked uh, that you brought in saturday as well because i wanted to ask you more about the saturday ethos as well so as you said mm. you know if you do something <laughs> wrong pick it up, get on again, and it's great. Um, was that something that was already there before you got to the Saturdays, or was that something you could brought in? So when I arrived at Saturday, the woman who started it, bless her, she was another American, and she was looking for a way to meet people, and she had played Ultimate like once or twice before, and she really didn't know the rules so much. And... So when I arrived, there was a little bit of, okay, let's do this, not properly is the wrong word, but let's let's go over what ultimate means. So mm. it was already very casual. It was already people who were there to learn and people that wanted to have a go and do something new. It was mostly foreigners or people not from Melbourne, so people from Sydney or or further afield, one young woman from Bendigo. It was people who were there to meet people and do something slightly sporty. And to your point earlier about, you know, helping people and trying to trying to get the positive feedback, there were plenty of people that would come down, try it, leave, sometimes in a bit of a huff that this wasn't what they wanted. And there's something there's something to that happening that had I been in in my darker place, I would have been like, look, Behold, I'm still a failure. I, that person, I didn't help them. Mm. Never mind the other 10 people who were there, you know, throwing and getting better. There's something strange that happens when if if we're playing a game on Saturday and I catch it in the end zone and, and we win, hooray. It's like, yeah, well, it's just a stupid game on Saturday. 
but the same same pass if I drop it I'm like oh my goodness I couldn't even catch it and we lost because of me and it's no longer this stupid game that yeah we won it's oh my goodness it was all my fault this important game on a Saturday with people who don't play yeah it doesn't make any logical sense but <clears throat> feelings don't have to be rational so was it like this this casual yes but it wasn't it wasn't always well, you dropped it, so it's a turnover. It was, well, you dropped it. What does that mean? I, we play that you can drop it three times, because otherwise nothing happens. So we're just going to mm -hmm. bend the rules a bit. Not necessarily because we're doing it consciously, but because people aren't very accurate. And they're not catching very well. So yeah. just, you know, meh. Keep the game going. It was less kind and more necessary <laughs> to have a, a rather looser thing and s some of some of the points would go on for ages because you couldn't complete a pass and then when myself or another experienced person would join in sometimes they're like yeah it's good it's moving and other times they're like no no we have to work this out ourselves and laughing at the ineptitude of people to complete a simple pass and finally like never mind scoring whenever they could chain two or three throws together this was a cause for great celebration it's yeah. amazing the the different thresholds of what success looks like amongst people and the excitement of beginners is so much more my jam than helping experts yeah yeah it's true i mean you you look at any elite athlete to just take it to the other extreme and they're, unless they win and they've performed well, they're not happy. And that's because they're aiming at that ultimate pinnacle. You know, if you imagine a Formula 1 driver or a sprinter or whatever, unless they win, they're not happy. And, you know, put it in perspective, you're the second be best person in the world, you know, paying millions of pounds to drive around a super fast car or whatever. Like, for most people, that's success. But in the moment, the majority of them, and nowhere near thinking that that's great or a successful thing. And obviously it's a driving force, isn't it? You know, to be dissatisfied with not good enough, which in their arenas is like the best, but it's not a useful mindset to have in day-to-day -day life when you're going through everyday activities like Frog Frisbee. And to be honest, like I, I came to Saturday and uh, so I was in Melbourne playing Frisbee with these guys and like Craig is fantastic. I know you probably go, nah, I'm not that good, but you, your throwing is amazing. And I'm, I'm nowhere near as good as that. And, you know, I'd go there and I'd be, like, I'd, I'd be getting annoyed. But then there's that Saturday ethos. And eventually, you know, you sort of get, it's like a culture, isn't it? You sort of get embedded within it. And you're like, oh, yeah, you know. And it, it's also part that you get a bit better, a bit more comfortable, and you get to know people. But, you know, I was, I was fully within that ethos of like, well, it doesn't really matter. You know, trying to help other people and be like, oh, Saturday, you know, you carry on. You know, it's, it's, yeah, it's just like how you treat yourself and how you treat others is, is super important. And I think that is kind of what I learned from traveling and then coming to Australia is just that sort of friendliness and the culture of giving and not taking yourself too seriously. Because if you take yourself too seriously, then, well, it's a recipe for disaster, I think. Mm -hmm. uh, to your point about, you know, coming in second is the first loser, as I was taught growing up. This is something I, I, saw a change with the Olympics this year with some of the races was they, they ran a race and for all of the competitors they had whether or not this was a personal best for them 
And as a runner, this is what I, I look for. Most people who run a race aren't there to win. If you look at like marathons or whatnot, they're there to do their personal best, not win. There's only a dozen people at a lot of these races that have any aspiration to win. Most people are trying to finish or beat what they did last time or run with their friend and encourage their friend to go along. There are teams of people who looked not very fit at all, shuffling along, but they'd all have the shirts on, you know, I'm running for my sister who died from cancer, or I'm running for my aunt who died of a heart attack. And so I'm out here to get fit in their memory. And my respect for these people is immense to do something that you're not going to be good at, but to recognize it and do it anyway. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I think there's, uh, it's great to be aiming to improve yourself. And there's this two sided thing again, uh, because I, when I used to just go for a run, I was, I think I got to go to a park run. I don't know if you've come across a park yeah. run. Yeah, yeah, we have park run here. Yeah. So for people who don't know, it's a 5k run that happens around the world or it did anyway until COVID. I think this is just about starting them up again. Um, so I, I went to one of those in my local town when I lived in the south of England. And I got really obsessed with the numbers and they really wanted to get faster, which was great to get fitter. Um, but I would go out and run 5Ks as practice in, in the local park and things. And I know I wasn't enjoying myself because every time I was going for a run, I was pushing and pushing really, really hard. And then I, something switched. I'm not sure what. But at some point I thought, I'm going to have a fun run. I'm going to actually go and enjoy my run. And that became, well, since then, actually, I've run consistently uh, for years, years and years and years. And now, every now and then I go, right, I'm going to push myself really hard today. I mean, this is, this is sort of cyclical in a way. You, sometimes you should push yourself really hard and then rest and have easier runs and so on. That's just the nature of uh, building up physical strength anyway. But anyway... Um, and then most of the time, actually, I'm just looking for new routes and looking for how I can enjoy the run the most. It's a completely different um, way of looking at things. So I suppose there's value in pushing against your own PB um, and there's value in not pushing against it and having a different goal. So it's, it's all about balance, isn't it? Which I suppose is everything we're talking about. Yeah, but it's very... Some people are motivated by goals and they want to be the best and other people just want to go run and the real serious people can do some research and find that no you can't push yourself every time you're likely to get injured it's it might work in the short term but it's not going to be good for you in the long term even the professional athletes well they talk about ice baths and some other things which i personally don't want to do but it's not go hard all the time when i was running cross country there would be days of just go for a run and just keep going go for like an hour and if you stop and walk stop and walk Go for an hour. And however far you go, that's how far you go. Yeah, and you can start as well with very little. If you have a really tiny goal, it makes it less um, obstructive to get over or to initially start. If you say, I'm going to run for a minute, anyone can, well, okay, I'm not going to say anyone can run for a minute, but most people can run for a minute. And then once you've started, you go, eh, go for another couple. So sometimes yeah. starting really small is really good. Yeah, a friend of mine was looking to get into running, so I introduced him to the Couch to 5K program. Do you know Couch to 5K? Yeah. And that starts with run for 20 seconds, I think. Oh, right. 
So run for a minute actually sounds like a long time. And he was he was voicing concern to me that on week eight, you go from something like run for four or five minutes at a time to run for 20. And that's such a huge jump. And then he did it. And he was like, oh my God, I ran for 20 minutes. Well, he and I did a half marathon a few months ago. Oh, wow. That a year, a year and a bit into running, he's now doing a half marathon. He beat me handily, which kind of hurts because he's older than I am. And I got him <laughs> into this. But, you know, put your ego at the door. Celebrate his success. Move along. He's now talking about running a marathon. He's lost, I don't know, 30 kilos. He's the most fit he's ever been. He's happy. He's like all from right run for 20 seconds for a little bit and then do a little bit more and a little bit more. I think it's it's Plato or Aristotle or one of these old old Greek Greek philosophers that say uh, have respect for anyone who makes progress no matter how slowly. Just mm. just do a little bit better. And if one day you go backward, that's okay. Saturday. Try again. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, eventually you will go backwards uh, or you won't go as far forwards as you used to. Eventually age will come at you and well, it's already coming at me. I'm never going to get uh, to the same uh, 5k times I used to get and I have to be okay with that. You know, there's some level of acceptance, isn't there? Yeah. But if you look at distance runners, most distance runners are older. Yes. So so you can also, okay, you'll never get the same 5k, excuse me, the same 5k time. But maybe now you'll run half marathons, or maybe you'll play more ultimate, or maybe you'll do disc golf once your your knees don't let you play ultimate anymore. There's there's progress, but it doesn't necessarily say what direction that has to be in. You can progress in any direction. You can go back to your academics. You can go back to university. You can start your own frisbee group. You can. Progress doesn't have to be in the direction you think it is. And for me, it's only when I realized that progress wasn't in the direction I thought that I really started to make progress. Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. And it's a good point, actually, because you don't always have to be going along the same path forever and progressing along that same exact path. Uh, I mean, I'm way better now uh, distance running than I was. And that's just to prove your point, really. It's probably because I do more distance running and, and you build up that endurance over life. Um but I think I also enjoy it more now as well because I've sort of combined it with listening to podcasts, which is, you know, my thing, obviously. Uh, <laughs> so I go run around and I'm listening to podcasts and sometimes you think, oh, I could extend this wrong because I want to listen to more of the podcast. I mean, mm-hmm. I, n- I never did that then. I was listening to music to like put myself up. I was like, I'm going to go faster. I was like, more dance, more dance music. <laughs> but that's that's changed. And But sometimes I do that too. Yeah, yeah. But it is interesting that you can see, you can see what running means to you changing. You can see the way you bring in the rest of the world change along with it. And rather than dance music, if you want to put on two podcasts, if you want to put on your own podcast, if you want to put on other things, motivational speeches, there are podcasts that tell you, okay, run faster now, run slower now, take a walking break. Hey, have you had some water? Get some water. And they will coach you, if you will, as you run. Huh according to you know predefined times about speed up slow down etc so you you can get all of these things and try them out and see what works for you you don't have to get it right the first time call saturday true do you know the apps uh, by name that do this whole coaching thing no 
<laughs> no, I don't. Sadly. Well, th- there's a couch to 5K one because yeah. it is like run for 20 seconds, walk for 20 seconds. Right. My friend that I, that I told you about, he uses one of them, but I don't remember the name of it off the top of my head. Yeah, there's a bunch of running apps. Uh, I've never paid for any of the extra functions or anything just because I haven't felt the need. But yeah, so Couch to 5K is an app as well, is it? I think so, yeah. All right, cool. Didn't know that. There you go, people. Good stuff. Uh, let me, let me, you know, go Google that or we'll tell your, <laughs> we'll edit that out. <laughs> so I'm not giving, not giving bad advice here. That's all good. Yeah. Oh, well, let's, uh, let's fast forward. Well, actually, no, I want to test this as well. Um, maybe it's obvious from what we've talked about, but would you say, and if so, how has this Frisbee community changed your life? This whole idea of Saturday and that ethos has changed my life. And I'm not the person who started this group. I'm not the best person there. Like, thank you for your kind words saying I'm good. But there are people there that play at the world level. I've never really competed at the city level. Like, I'm pretty good, but I'm not that good. And every year at my wedding anniversary, I change my, my Facebook kind of cover photo to a wedding photo. And it's all Frisbee people. And I'm still friends with most of them. Some of them have moved on. They've they've moved moved country, moved city, otherwise drifted apart. But for the most part, I'm still friends with people that were at my wedding seven and a half years ago. And sometimes when I change it, the the new people are like, "Hey, I recognize these people. Wow, look at how young they are." It's like, yes, that's seven and a half years ago. <laughs> we, we do look young. And some more kind of kind of denigrating comments like, wow, you had hair. <laughs> like, oh, oops. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, look at that baby face. Oh, you've put on some kilos. You know, these types of things bounce around. Yeah, I think a lot of it's uh, probably friends and com- long-lasting uh, friends and community, isn't it? It's what I'm yeah, hearing from and, that. And the ethos, as you mentioned. Yeah. Like building that within myself from I have nothing to... Like none of this brings me joy to laughing when I call a Saturday and pick up the disc, even when I'm not meant to. And everyone not being like, "Hey, you're doing it wrong. You don't get Saturdays anymore." They're just like, "Oh, Craig, you don't get. No, what are you doing? Ha ha ha!" And we all <laughs> laugh. And we keep playing. Yeah, it's just a very I, nice atmosphere. Yeah, and if I drop it, you know, there was a time when it'd be like, "God, I'm not good. You know, I'm supposed to be good at this," and I just dropped it, and I'm just like, "Ugh!" And everyone teases me. And if it bothers me, I call Saturday and pick it up. And <laughs> <laughs> just keep going. It's really been been good for a long time. I'm glad to hear it. And now we're going to bring the tone down a bit again, but I think it's important to talk about it as well because you mentioned to me previously that obviously you were running Saturday, you were teaching people, you taught me mm-hmm. how to throw and things like that. Um, Did I? But I think so, yes. Yes, you did, yeah. You didn't know how to throw before you came? No. The Saturday the first time? Oh. Cool. Yeah. Great. <laughs> I, put, I put off going for a long time as well. I put it, put it off for probably well, a few weeks, if not a couple of months, because I saw the group. It wasn't that far away. I was like, oh, I should go, but, you know, a bit scared of new people and not knowing what to do. But, yeah, wel- welcoming group, and I think... Yeah, you and Jensen. Jensen was very welcoming as well, one of my friends, mm-hmm. or our mutual friend as well. Um, so yeah, like people just showing an interest as well was was really nice. So, and uh, 
yeah, it's just nice. So, um, yeah, so you were running it for quite a while. Mm-hmm. And then something happened which sort of led you to have a bit less, or well, quite a lot less joy coming out of that and feeling quite down. Um, would you like to explain what happened for you? Um, I'll try. So some okay. days I can talk about this and some days I can't. We'll see which That's one okay. today is. My wife and I were trying to to start a family, to have kids, and it wasn't working. And I got tested, uh, fertility tested, and um, my sperm count is very low. The sperm I have are healthy, so it's conceivable that we would conceive, mm. but there wasn't really much hope. And the only thing I knew I wanted more than being a university professor was to be a father. And this meant that wasn't the case. Yeah. It's an odd contrast to to before when everything was was fine but bad. In the sense when I was working as a university professor and I was bringing sight to the blind and I was dating this great woman to find out that I was miserable because here I was I was disappointed with the news but it didn't make me want to end things but I wasn't calm about it I was very angry Mm. and I was in denial for about a year but I was I was just a ball of rage and I was trying so hard to keep everything together and I remember I remember I had a bad day at work and I went and I just wrote up, I, I, I got an email from my boss's boss, who was quite high up in the company, who said, you know, hey, I was disappointed with your presentation. And I was keystrokes away. Can I swear on this podcast? Oh, yeah. From just all caps, go fuck yourself. And just, I managed to stop myself. And I think I went for a walk and was just fist clenched and power walking around, wrote up a resignation, handed it to my boss, and was like, he says it wasn't good enough. I've been trying for months to get his time. Fuck this. Mm. Thinking to myself, you know, I wanted to be a university professor. I was wrong. I wanted to be a father. I was wrong. I don't know what my purpose in life is, but I'm pretty sure getting degrading emails from your boss ain't it. I'm out. And he realized something wasn't quite right with that answer. And he asked me and I told him I was infertile. I burst into tears in his office. And there was that another one of these moments when he stopped being my boss and became a fellow man Mm. and was saying, okay, what can we do for you? Quitting isn't going to do anything. And I went to Frisbee and I'd be coaching someone. And I said earlier that, you know, you had to get used to the people who were like, you know, oh, well, this isn't helping me. You know, you're no good or I'm no good or whatever. And I could just feel, well, fuck off then. Coming. Mm. And I don't know if I said that to anyone or not, but I, the number of times I felt it. And I realized I can't, 
I can't do this anymore. I can't coach. I can't. I don't have the patience right now. But this was this was what brought me so much joy. This was this was all my friends. Mm. I couldn't stop, but I couldn't keep going either. Yeah. So it was it was such a reversal from I have everything I want and it's not good enough and I'm going to stop to I have what I want but I can't do it right now and I was never suicidal I was never I never wanted to to quit but it wasn't calm the way it was previously it was very angry I was in denial for about a year where I would get home from work and retreat to my man cave and play World of Warcraft and then I stopped working and then just a lot of other things went wrong but I I was never like I always had the the support of my wife which I'm forever grateful for but there was a certain amount of guilt that I couldn't make her a mother. There was there's just a lot of pain. So in contrast, before there wasn't really pain, I was just suicidal. Now there was all kinds of pain and I wasn't. Mm. And it's so odd looking back that like the way these things would relate. I said sometimes there's a I guess there's a survival mechanism. Somehow mine was enabled again. And whether that's from the support of my wife or the Frisbee community or whatever, but it was a year or even two before I started talking about it. I made a big post on Facebook saying, look, this is, this is what's new with my life. I apologize if I'm not patient with you. I, I just, I just can't right now. Mm-hmm. And it was very difficult then for me to step aside from Frisbee, knowing that that could kill it. Unfortunately, other people have picked it up, um, many of whom know what's going on with me, some don't. But now it's more decentralized, that no one's really in charge. People, People have picked it up, that when someone shows up who doesn't know how to throw, someone else will help them. And it's only just now getting to the point where I'm helping people throw again. And it's been five years mm. since I got my diagnosis. So I haven't really been in charge of Frisbee for three or four. Yeah. But it's been it's been quite an odd contrast. Yeah. Very difficult. Different experience, obviously. And the emotions are different, as you mentioned being in denial and then being very angry, the guilt as well. Um, not that I've been through what you've been through. However, I have, I've had that experience of just being so full up of emotions and having nothing left. So if anything that comes in that's difficult to deal with, just, you know, you feel rage or extreme irritability or whatever it is and it just comes up so uh, so that is a quite a, it's a it's a warning sign you know if people see that in other people and it's uncharacteristic then that can be quite a good thing to look out for to just mm-hmm. be like are you okay 
Um, and even just asking that is sometimes good enough. And uh, I suppose it's a bit like when your boss, was, you said, you know, became a fellow man. Um, it might not be exact words, but, you know, instead of being your boss, he became like a, a human, a peer, a friend in a way. Um, and that's what people are after to some extent. Um, so, I mean, I want to help people as well. Obviously, it's difficult to deal with. Um, how did you process that and uh, go through I mean not that you're 100% through it but how have you found ways of coping and what have you found useful so it was hard at first because I I was tested twice you know kind of just to be sure make sure the first one's not a fluke and after my second test knowing that this was a potential outcome I was at the fertility clinic and I started looking around for counseling options and I found one, you know, counseling for men. I went over and looked at the sign and it said how to best deal with it when your partner is going through IVF. There was nothing for men fertility being advertised for help. Uh, when my results came back, I was meeting with my GP and he said, well, you know, there's not a lot we can do about this, but there's some things we can try. And I was like, no, no, I'm, like, I accept my fate. Give me a counselor. Mm -hmm. And he stopped and thought and was like, I don't know anyone who deals with this. I can not I can recommend some general men's, men's health, but they're largely for anger issues and, you know, relationship issues. And you don't, at this point, I was still in solid denial and I hadn't quite reached the rage point yet. It's like, you don't seem to need that. I don't, I don't know what to suggest for you. And it was that loneliness that hit. I mean, I'm a, I'm a middle-aged American white male. Everything is supposed to revolve around me, right? But there was, like, nothing mm. for me. And I don't know how I dealt with it. And some of the things I did... Withdrawing, I certainly don't recommend. I was I, I was, was recommended a counselor. I was seeing a counselor, and I was talking through with him. And at one point, I said, "Look, I process things very differently. I'm an introvert at heart. I retreat to my cave." And he stopped me, and he was like, "Look, if you need time for your, yourself, that's one thing. But you can't forsake your wife. You can't take time alone, and in doing so, not support her through this." And that was really strong for me that as you said before you don't do anything alone well I I wasn't alone I had my wife I had to realize that this wasn't easy for her and her seeing me not doing well wasn't easy for her either and it really strengthened our relationship it was strong anyway I mean we loved each other enough to get married and try to have kids together but now there's a, a different level where we trust each other when things are bad and we include each other when things are bad and it's happened with my friends too certainly once I made that Facebook post I got some I got a bunch of different messages some of them were hey are you okay if you ever need to talk please reach out you know, even friends that I had from high school that I haven't spoken to in years were like, 
dude, I know we haven't spoken, but I'm still your friend. Please just reach out if you need me. I know there's not much I can do. And other people were telling me stories about their infertility. It's just sort of like, well, thank you for, for showing that you can empathize with me. But, mm -hmm. hey, I can empathize with you. I have the same thing. Was enough. I didn't need a paragraph. I think maybe you sh should consider writing your own post because I don't have the capacity to help you right now. I'm sorry. And I remember thinking it at the time that, because I think my wife said something like, uh, you know, you'll get over this. Well, I I'm not over it. I don't think I'll ever get over it. I'll just be better at managing it. Mm -hmm. Now when someone asks me if I have kids, like, I no longer clench my fists and feel myself get all defensive because now I just, you know, okay, Craig, shoulders down, you know, unclench your fists, deep breath, watch your tone as you say, no, I don't. They're not going to ask you why not. They're not going to say why you shooting blanks or something. They just want, they're just asking a question because you're of that age. You're married. This is just conversation. Mm -hmm. It's not an attack. Yeah. Please. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a difficult subject, isn't it? And I suppose a lot of people uh, wouldn't know where to go and don't have places to go, as you've mentioned. And uh, I did a bit of a search on the internet for, I wouldn't say UK-based people, but I searched because I'm, I'm mm -hmm. in the UK and therefore if I can signpost to things then that'd be useful um the first thing that came up was the thing called him fertility h-i-m fertility.com and there's this comedian from the uk he's called rod gilbert um it's quite funny actually and um yeah he's i think he went through a similar thing which was that he, he was surprised at how little sport there was and so he wanted to you know, raise awareness and all of that kind of stuff so i think that's quite a good it's got a fairly decent summary of the things that are happening or can happen for people and also places to look potentially um there's in the uk at least there's a thing called fertility network uk um so search for that i can add links to the show notes on this one as well unbelievably well maybe not unbelievably considering we're on a podcast there is a podcast called the fertility podcast and then there's also a facebook group that i found called men's fertility support um so there's there's some things around, but um, I think maybe it's geographically dependent as well, but it's not something that you hear people talking about. You hear women and, well, it's actually a very common conversation, isn't it? When people, women talk about their biological time clock and all that stuff, it's so on the forefront of people's, uh, well, thoughts, you know, it's so commonly talked about, but it's not, I've never heard men talk about it. Yeah, it's, it's been rough it's been hard to get people to necessarily understand and it's been also hard because most of my friends are younger most of them are in childbearing age and watching my friends have kids without without taking years has been difficult on a personal level and my friendship group is going more and more toward other people that don't have kids because mm -hmm. the ones that do have kids, understandably, are putting more of their time and energy into their children, which is exactly what I would do. Yeah. And sometimes it's hard when I visit them and, and they're like, hey, do you want to cuddle? It's like, no, thanks. I don't really want to hold your child. And some of them just hand me their child. And that's, that's hard. 
Mm-hmm. One friend actually gained a lot of respect for because she's sitting there with her child and she didn't say, hey, do you want to hold our daughter? She didn't, she didn't thrust her upon me. First, she just asked, is this hard for you? And that level of concern and understanding was, was quite, I don't know, n- not inspiring, but I suddenly felt closer to her in that moment than than I had previously. Yeah, that's really thoughtful of her. And this is this is something odd when I when I made that Facebook post and how people interact. That some people that I consider really good friends didn't mention it, or they're like, "Oh, sorry, mate," and and then that was it. And people that I am further apart from responded much warmer. And it's odd. And sometimes it's wow. I wish, I wish you and I had spent more time together because I think I think you're a better friend than I gave you credit for. Mm. Maybe not between us, but as as a person, you would make a better friend than I gave you credit for. And I'm sorry that I didn't put more energy into my friendship with you. Yeah, I think some people just don't know, wouldn't know how to approach it. Like if I, before talking to you, maybe I wouldn't, yeah, I just wouldn't know what to say if I should say anything, you know, if talking to you about it, uh, bringing it up, like you don't want to bring up people's uh, issues necessarily, do you? But at the same time, you want to, you want to show that you're there. It's like, where's the balance? Mm-hmm. Where's the, what's the line? Like you don't want to ask them every time, like, you know, how are you feeling about that? Or, you know, yeah, I wouldn't, I would from the people, I mean, that, that lady you mentioned there was a very nice example mm-hmm. as well. How would you recommend people go about like talking to their friends who might be struggling with it, if, if that is a thing? Um, I suppose it depends on the situation, doesn't it? But Just listen. Yeah. Just listen. If it's hard to talk about, don't talk about it. Just listen. Yeah. Yeah, and I really appreciate you opening up about it as well because it's obviously extremely difficult for you um, to to have gone through that and to be still be going through that. It's about so, to say it's it's not exactly past tense. Yes, like it's been years and still I tear up. Yeah, I remember one day I was this was like a month ago I was doing the dishes and I started singing started singing like Kylie Minogue or something, some pop nonsense, just bouncing around. And I thought to myself, I I haven't done this since I got the diagnosis. At which point I promptly stopped singing. <laughs> Darn it. But I'm just getting to the point now where I can be happy again. And I don't mean that in, in like a depression sense. Like I'm enjoying talking to you. It makes me happy. Mm-hmm. I enjoy spending time with my wife or watching a movie or playing Frisbee. They make me happy. But it used to be if you would just sit me in alone in a room with nothing else around, no stimulus. Sometimes I'd be happy, sometimes I'd be sad, sometimes I'd be neutral. But I haven't been able to just sit in a room unstimulated and be happy in years. Hmm. But the level, the baseline is lower, basically, and it's coming back up slowly. Yep, it's slowly getting to the point where, and you know, again, I can... If if I if I want to bop around to Kylie Minogue, I can I can put it on Spotify. I can play some, and you know 
I'll pep up and then I'll sing along and make a fool of myself and I'm quite good at that. And I can laugh at myself, so, you know, I have never-ending amusement. But just <laughs> sitting quietly, it's it's work mm. for me to to snap out of it. And I, I was talking to a friend who unfortunately lost a child due to SIDS. And he said it was the same, like he's just not happy anymore. Doesn't have the patience when people start talking about random stuff. It's like, well, you know, should... I don't know if you're in, in some some train. It's like, well, should we use this supplier or that supplier? It's like, yeah, whatever. I'm never <laughs> going to be a father. You can pick whichever supplier you bloody well choose. Yeah. Don't have time for it. People complaining about, you know, oh, the coffee mug doesn't quite feel right in my hand. Oh, it's too hot or oh, it's too sweet. It's like, yeah, whatever. Get over it. Mm. Got other things to think about right now. Yeah. Or not think about it, as the case may be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just patience with people dropping. And overall, and there's a bit of guilt because, you know, I'm not the man my wife married. I don't have the happiness that I did. Mm-hmm. I don't have the patience with people on Saturday who want to learn how to throw. I don't have the motivation that I used to. But I wouldn't say I'm depressed because I know things are getting better. I know there's a light at the end of the tunnel. I'm not suicidal. It's just I'm getting better at managing it every day. And always respect people who make progress, no matter how slowly. I'm getting there. I think that's a really great loop back to... That was Jim Carrey, wasn't it, said that? Yeah. Well, Carrey was, you know, I wish everyone could be rich and famous and do everything they wanted. Oh, the sorry. respect people who make progress is ancient Greece. And it's it's odd that, you know, this is part of the human condition. This isn't this isn't some insightful new thing I'm saying on this podcast. This advice is as old as as writing, as stories, as as time, really. As humanity. This isn't it, it's odd how how insightful it is and how cliche it is in a way. But that when you say something's all oh, that's so cliche, it's like, yes, that means that taps into wisdom that goes back hundreds, if not thousands of years. And that's why it's cliche. So don't don't poo-poo it out of hand. Don't dismiss it out of hand just because it's it's something that people always say. Well, they always say it because there's some truth to it. Yep. As we said before, don't listen to the label. Listen to the truth to it. Mm. And see how it applies. The deeper meaning. For sure. And that's why I have these conversations because I do want to get down into the deep. Uh, whether it's difficult or even if it's motivational, it doesn't matter. I think it's it's useful to, you can always draw lessons from people who've gone through things, whether they're good or bad. And uh, very appreciative of you sharing that, like I mentioned. Uh, I just wanted to share the last few sort of signposts actually along the lines of uh, depression and anxiety because I didn't cover them earlier. Um, so, not sure how many of these apply abroad, uh, but if you're in the UK, I know most people that are listening are in the UK. Um, so if you're struggling, we haven't mentioned anxiety today, but I've talked about that in the past. So there's a, there's a charity called Anxiety UK. You can go find them and I'll put some links in the show notes as well. Um, sane is another one, as in like insane, but sane. It's probably not the best way of referring that one, but there you go. Mind is another one. 
Um, and then for things where you're particularly suicidal or depressed, then the following are, are a bit more specialised in this. So Samaritans, uh, I think a lot of people might have heard of them. Uh, you can call them up, you can message them, all those sort of things. Crisis Messenger as well. And then like the final thing is, you know, if, if you're really, really struggling, yeah, uh, what we recommend on the charity I work for is, you know, ring at 999. And I'm not on the phones yet, so I think I'd really struggle with that. But that's, that's the next challenge for me, I think, is to go from the chat to the phones because uh, that, that would be really hard to hear the people who are struggling and deal with that in a way that's uh, useful. But uh, I want to do that. So hopefully we'll go there. So, yeah, um, it's, it's, a, it's a bit of a dark episode, but I think there's a lot of positive things to take from it as well. And again, really appreciate you being open with all of that. Um, with everything we talked about, we've come from things like systems engineering to bionic eyes <laughs> to uh, depression and infertility and uh, Saturday frisbee and everything. There's a lot we've gone through. Um, so I've got a question here. Sometimes it falls a bit flat. So if, if it does, uh, it's on me. But if you had a giant billboard that you could show, which is a non-commercial message, uh, to the world, metaphorically speaking, is there anything that you could think that you might want to put on it? Life may not be worth living, but it's certainly not worth dying for. Love it. And final thing, or, any you know, any number of quotes from Yogi Berra. <laughs> <laughs> any number of them. <laughs> Brilliant. Cool. Uh, do you have any requests of the audience? Uh, any things you would like them to do, or? Anything like that? Be aware of, of spirals. Be patient. Be kind. That includes to yourself. Make Completely progress. Agree. Finding out that the way you're going is the wrong way is progress. Don't don't disparage yourself for it. In general, in science, the way you move forward the fastest is by proving something wrong. Same is true with your life. If you find out the way you're going is the wrong direction, that's great. In, in Frisbee, I say, you know, if you think you're going the wrong way, get there as fast as possible so that then you can go to the right one. Thank you very much for that. And uh, if people want to find you, they can find you on LinkedIn, Craig Doc Savage. There's a few uh, Craig Savages around, so put the doc in and you'll find him. <laughs> yeah, it's... But again, I don't I don't want to be found. Like, If this has been helpful to you, fantastic. Go Go help someone else. Take the credit for yourself for listening. Not don't give it to me. I don't. I don't know what to do with it. Very humble of you. <laughs> well, once again, uh, Craig, absolute pleasure to have you here, and really glad we had the conversation. I thought it was going to be meaningful and deep, and it is and uh, emotional, and it certainly was. So, uh, yeah, yeah, thank you very much. We can uh, we can talk about my time on the crisis line another time. Absolutely. I, I used to uh, man a crisis line. Okay. Just a whole yeah. other kettle of fish. Bad, so I bad. have a lot of respect for you for thinking of making that transition because it's not easy. And um, yeah, that's a whole other conversation that we can have another time. Sure. Love to have a part two. Okay. We'll end it here. Thanks, Craig. Thanks, Luke. Thank you for listening to Tipping Points. If you like this episode, please share it with your friends, subscribe, like, and give us a five-star review on your favorite podcast player. 
Doing this really helps us to keep providing free content to you. If you want to find out more, get more episodes and exclusive content, please head over to tippingpointspodcast.com. If you've got some insights today, like the way I ask questions, and want to take your journey to another level, then Mindful Productivity Coaching is for you. At Mindful Productivity, we take a holistic approach to make you happier, healthier, and more productive. Our coaching program is tailored to your needs so you get what you want from it. Find out more at mindfulproductivity.net forward slash coaching and book your free discovery call today. That's mindfulproductivity.net forward slash coaching for your free discovery call.